0: Right now? Okay. I'll fix it out. She oh, got a head on. I <laughs> got <laughs>
1: I think it's fine. I just missed it. Warming up our voices too. We're still warming up our voices too.
2: One, two, three, four counts before
0: you come in on out of rest. K. Come to the One. of
1: course. I start. Okay. And we're just all standing here? No. We'll but no, but when they sing this song, are we just going to stand here like this or move back?
2: So after the, there's power in the blood, we sit down and there's the first three Oh, okay, I see. And then it's
3: truth no. be told.
1: to have it all together and when they that was slow that was slow Slow. that was slow Cool. at the end there.
3: Maybe you my mic? <laughs> <laughs>
4: and I
2: Shame is a
0: prison
1: And then, and then something else in between? So, so then the first set is power in the blood. Second set, truth be told, come to the table. What's the third?
4: Oh, you all suck. Come on now. You can do better than that. Jesus is risen. Amen. He is alive. He is alive. Man, we got to wake you up a little bit this morning. So we are, it's a little bit different. We're doing uh, a number of other special music. We'll have some more specials in a little bit. Uh, And then Anthony's also going to be preaching. So you have two preachers, six specials, all in about an hour. Is that possible? With God, all things are possible. Amen? And so we are so delighted that you're here with us early this morning. And uh, what what a great day. So truly he is risen. We're going to take a moment, have a word of prayer, and ask him to bless our time. And uh, I have just a very short little thought and challenge. I have the hard part. Anthony gets to talk about the real exciting stuff later, okay? So uh, let's pray. Lord, I pray you would bless your word this morning. We thank you that we do serve a risen Savior. And we're here to celebrate on this Lord's day that truly you are alive and you have risen. And Lord, we thank you that because you have risen, we have the promise and the hope of eternal life and that we too will rise again. And we just give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. I pray that, Lord, you would bless our time together, bless your word. And Lord, I pray that, that for each one, that Lord truly, uh, this day is not just a day of celebration, but Lord, it's a day uh, of change and transformation in our lives, because truly we know the truth, and the truth sets us free. And what a blessing that is! In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I want to uh, talk to you just for a few moments this morning on why Easter. Why? Why Easter? Why? Why do are we celebrating this day? Um, why the resurrection? Why was the resurrection important? Why Jesus? Why do we need a Savior? And so I want to take just a, a few moments um, and, and kind of just kind of lead us into this. And then Anthony will bring, bring up the rest here in a little bit. But why, why do we have Easter? Why do we need Easter? Why do we have the resurrection? What, why did Jesus even come? And we say, well, he came to seek and to save the lost. And that is true. But I want to make this very personal, and I want to uh, really draw this in. Because in the book of Genesis, God created Adam and Eve, amen? And he created Adam and Eve, and they were in a perfect environment, and, and they were innocent, and they were without sin. But then we know something happened. Something happened in the garden, and that is that there was what we call the fall, the fall of man. It was all Eve's fault, by the way. That's a joke, okay? It's all Eve's fault. No. In fact, the Bible even says that Eve was deceived. But it was actually Adam who really knew what he was doing. He willfully, he willfully took of the forbidden fruit. And what we see there is what we call the fall. The Bible says in Romans, it says this, that there's a passage that says that because sin entered into the world through one man, and he's re- referencing Adam, and it says, then that sin was passed down from that man to all mankind. Look with me in Romans 3. I'm just going to give you a number of verses. We'll put them up here for you. If you want to turn, you can. But why, why is it so important that we have, a, have Easter? Why is this day so special? Why Why? Did Jesus even have to come? Why was the resurrection important? Why do we need a Savior? And here's why. is because we see in Genesis that man sinned against God. And according to the scriptures, because man sinned against God, that sin then was passed down to each and every one of us. And so notice what Romans three twenty three says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That we're all sinners. Now, again, this is the part you say, wow, happy Easter. Thank, you know, thanks, Pastor Joe. You know, you just called us a bunch of sinners. That's exactly what I'm doing. We're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is not a single one of us that's perfect. Amen? Now, if some of you think that you are, we'll just interview your spouse, your children, Um, And let me tell you, we can find out all kinds of great information. Amen? Amen. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Isaiah the prophet said it like this. He, He said this, that even all of our righteousness in the eyes of a holy God, Isaiah says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. Notice what Timothy said, Uh, Paul said to Timothy in his writing, in 1 Timothy in his letter, he said this. Paul said this, he says, here is a trustworthy saying. He says that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. Why did he come into the world? To do what? To save sinners. That's you and I. But notice what, what Paul says, of whom I am the worst. Now, think about what he's saying here. This is the Apostle Paul, the one that God used tremendously, this great missionary, but he says, of whom I am the worst. He didn't say, I was the worst. He said, I, say it with me, am the worst. He wasn't talking about past tense. You know, some people have this idea that was kind of like, well, Paul was saying that because of what he did in his past. Because he, he, he had, was willing to even kill Christians and he, and he killed Stephen and he was a murderer. And so some people have this idea that Paul said that because of his past. But yes, that was part of it. But Paul wasn't saying that he was a sinner in his past. What Paul was saying is this, is that I am still a sinner. How many of you would agree with that? That, that yes, there's maybe things in our past, but the fact of matters matter is that we are still sinners. Amen? That's truth. We're sinners. Romans six twenty three says this, that there's a wage for our sin. Romans 6 says this, for the wages of sin is death. It's separation from God. The wage of sin, the, the payment for sin is death. That was the same thing that God told Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, if you eat it, you will surely die. And they didn't understand it. In fact, they even twisted the scripture somewhere in there. The Bible says that they said, well, even if we touch it, we will die. And I'm sure maybe they went up, maybe Eve touched it and said, oh, nothing happened. When she took the fruit, she ate it. Yes, there was a change and something changed. And there was something that they recognized. But they didn't understand the full comprehension of what it meant. And what Jesus was saying is this, is that if you eat it, not only will you die physically, but there will be a spiritual death. That there is a separation from God. And when they ate, immediately there was that separation. And aren't you thankful that it was God who came looking for Adam and Eve? And it was Adam and Eve who hid from God. But it was God who pursued them. It is God who pursues you and I today. Amen. It is God who sent his son, Jesus. He says there's a wage. There's a payment. There's a penalty for sin. He says, but the gift of God, I love that. He says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. I like this. He says, while we were sinners. He doesn't say you have to clean up. and You have to fix your life. And you have to change. And you have to, you have to completely clean up your life to come to Jesus. No, I love what he says. While we were still sinners, Christ still died for us. In fact, not in spite of our sin... But because of our sin, did you get that? Not in spite of our sin, but because of our sin, Jesus came and died for us. Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.21, notice what it says. It says this, speaking of Jesus Christ, but God made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, understand this. We are all sinners and we are all in need of a savior. And the reason why Jesus Christ even came was to take our place. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That while we were sinners, he still came and was willing to die for us. He came to pay our sin debt. Because there is a wage, there is a penalty that must be paid for sin. Understand this, sin must be paid for. It must be paid for. You have two options. One, you can pay for it yourself for all eternity in separation from God. Or you can allow Jesus Christ who took our place to pay that penalty for us. In the last few hours, the last day of Christ, Mark 15 gives us an interesting account. And I think it's a beautiful picture. That there, as Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, there's a beautiful picture of what Jesus did that day, not only for this man, but what he did for us. Notice in Mark 15 it says this And the man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who committed murder in the uprising. In the book Gospel of John, it says that he was not only a murderer, but it says that he was a robber. It says there was a man named Barabbas. This man's a murderer. He was a thief. He was a robber, an insurrectionist, one who was trying to rise up against Rome, who killed. It says this, that the crowd came up and they asked Pilate, to do for them what he usually did. There was a custom that Pilate would kind of appease the people during the time of Passover, that he would set one prisoner free. And so they come to Pilate, and they say to, to Pilate, will you do what you do each year? They said, uh, he says, well, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Ask Pilate. Jesus is thinking, well, surely they're going to want me to release, re- release Jesus, because he's the one who's innocent, Notice what happens, knowing that it was out of self-interest, others' versions will say out of envy and jealousy, it says that the chief priest had had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. And so then it says, What shall I do then? With the one who was called the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. And they said, crucify him, they shouted. Why? He says, what crime? Some virgins will say, what what evil, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. I don't know the end of the story for Barabbas. But you know, it's amazing to me that Barabbas is a beautiful picture... And what Jesus did that day as Jesus was going to the cross is literally there was another man who was guilty of crimes. Another man who should have been placed on the cross in the middle. There was another man who should have been fastened to that cross and had nails into his hands and his feet. And his name was Barabbas. But instead, the Bible says that Jesus took Barabbas' place. Can I tell you something? You and I or Barabbas. And Jesus took our place. I want to show you a picture. I don't know if you have that picture. I believe it was in 2004, the movie The Passion of Christ. Anyone ever see it, Here, it came out? The Passion of Christ. Amazing part of, of the story, the behind the scenes of this picture and of that scene where Jesus is being nailed to the cross. Something very interesting about this account. Some of you may have already heard this, already know this, but I want to just share this with you because I think it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Mel Gibson is, was the director. In fact, Mel Gibson did not act in... He only directed. But he does appear one time in the movie, but you do not see his face. The only thing you see is his hand. Because Mel Gibson's hand is the hand that is nailing the spike into the hands of Jesus. The reason why Mel Gibson personally wanted to do this was because he realized and he wanted people to understand that it was his sin that put Jesus on the cross. Even though he did not act in the movie, and even though we don't see him in the movie, and as he directed it, he did want one scene where he would show up in the movie, and it's where he is the one nailing the hand of Jesus to the cross. Because Mel Gibson knew that he is a sinner. And he knew that it was his sin that put Jesus on the cross. That it wasn't the Jews and it wasn't the Romans but that it's you and I. My sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Your sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Every lustful thought that it put a stripe upon his back. Every lie pierced his hand every idle word and evil thought and every, every, uh, every sin that we would commit that we want no one else to know, can I tell you something? That's what put Jesus on the cross. There's a p- penalty for sin. There's a payment for sin. Because I'm out of time, I'll just share this with you that as Jesus hung there on the cross, some of the very last words out of the mouth of Jesus. I love this. He cried out, to us Tetelestai. He cried out these words. To each one there hearing the words of Jesus, they didn't fully comprehend what he was saying, but he was crying out. We would hear it being interpreted as this. It is finished. It is finished. But you see, what a, that word was an accounting word in the Greek language. And the word tetelestai means this, paid in full. It was an accounting term that was used when someone was in debt. And when someone was in debt, especially to the Roman government, that was a huge crime, that was a huge deal. And when a person's debt was relieved, they would write across on a receipt, they would write the, the word tetelestai, paid in full. Many times, they would even take it and they would nail it. And they would put it on the door of someone's home that your debt has been paid, it's paid in full. Can I tell you something? Why Easter? Why did Jesus come? Why, why is this such a celebration today? It's a celebration today because of this. Because we are all sinners. We are all sinners. And we are all in need of a Savior, amen? And our sin put Christ upon the cross. But it was love that kept him there. Amen. And he loves us. And he shed his blood and he cried out, it is finished. The sin debt is paid. It's paid in full. Amen. Amen. In a little bit, we get to hear the rest of the story. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. And yes, he was buried. But we get to hear the rest of the story in a few moments. Let's pray. Lord, I pray. You'd bless your word this morning. Thank you for the worship team. Lord, may we just really listen to the words of the songs we're about to hear. Lord, I pray we'd listen to the word that Anthony, that you've laid on Anthony's heart as he shares the word with us this morning. Lord, I pray that we would leave this place just thankful and grateful for your love for us. For forgiveness. What a precious, precious gift that is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can remain seated. There's going to be a couple special songs this morning.
1: Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. To everybody's life is perfect except yours So keep your messes and your wounds And your secrets safe with you behind closed doors Truth be told The truth is rarely told No I say I'm fine, yeah I'm fine No I'm fine, hey I'm fine But I'm not I'm broken And when it's out of control, I say it's under control. But it's not, and you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told.
3: Says, come as you are, but I doubt it. Cause if we live like that was true, every Sunday morning, pew'd be crowded. But didn't you say church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick, the sinner, and the scarred and the prodigal, just like me told the truth is rarely told oh am i the only one who says i'm sin. There's no failure, no fall. There's There's no no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Can I really stand here unashamed? Knowing that your love for me won't change. Oh God, if that's really true, then let the the truth be told. I say I'm There's no failure, no fall. There's no sin you don't already know. I know. I know. There's no failure, no fall. There's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. looking in and this is where the grace begins we were hungry we were thirsty with nothing left to give oh the shape that we were in and just when all hope seemed Opened the door For us He said come To the table
5: So Joe said that I got the fun stuff, but let me tell you, he was like, let me call them sinners. Let me, I want to tell them that they are Barabbases. He was super excited about calling y'all sinners, so I get the cool part. I do, I got to admit, no, but, (laughs) right, but the good news, the good news of Easter, he is risen, and this is what we are going to talk about Uh, This morning, what I get to talk about this morning, and so we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, looking at the the resurrection. We'll spend a little bit of time in the first couple verses, one through seven. We're just going to read through this, and then we're going to we're going to go into a little bit of a more unknown story of the resurrection. I shouldn't say unknown, but not a popular story of the resurrection. All right, so let's read. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yes. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in the clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he had told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. So I just wanna look real quick, just think about this multiple times throughout Jesus's life, there towards the end of his life, he said that he had to be delivered up and he said, you can take me and you could kill this temple, you can, you can destroy this temple, but this temple will be raised up on the third day. And those, those Pharisees, those religious rulers, were terrified and that is why they had the romans guard it and seal it with their stamp right they were making sure that he was not going to come out of that grave because of the threats that he had imposed on their religious meetings okay now the more unpopular story of the resurrection in luke chapter 24 looking at 13 through 35 now that same day that same day this is just a little bit after Jesus raises from the dead that same day two of them were were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem remember they had just left from Passover They had just left from the Passover feast from Jerusalem, which everybody would have gone to. Now two people were going to Emmaus, about seven miles away. This would have been about a day's journey, okay? They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And this is important, that Jesus did this because of their doubt, and he is going to prove something, and I believe that some of us today still doubt, okay? He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They They were sad. Their buddy, Jesus, just got killed. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, Dude, are you the only one that hasn't heard? Like, seriously? Are you not from here? Are you from somewhere? Did you come from the planet Mars? Are you the only one who hasn't heard of these things that have happened in these days? Jesus was known throughout all of the regions. Jesus had done miracles and people, his name spread and people came from all over the place to hear about, to hear from Jesus, to hear his preaching, to see him do miracles for them to heal their family members, for them to, for him to heal them. So have you not heard Jesus? Next verse, please. What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, he was a prophet, powerful, notice, he was a prophet, past tense, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and then crucified him. But we had hopes that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And that is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. He is, by now, he's starting to stink. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us, and they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus he said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Now, they went to the tomb. They saw it was empty. The women went to the tomb. They saw it was empty. The disciples went to the tomb. They saw it was empty. Yet they still did not believe. Yet they still did not believe that Jesus had risen. And so Jesus says, how slow are you to believe all that the prophets have spoke? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went up to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sights." when he had broke the bread I want to recognize something Jesus the men who doubted on the road what did Jesus do he took them through all of scripture and he said didn't the son of man have to suffer these things in order to enter into glory What does this mean? It means that all of history, all of the Bible points directly to Jesus. It is all about him rescuing sinners from the grip of death. Sometimes we think, oh, it's about me. And it is. It is about you. But it is more importantly about Jesus in his glory. right? And you can look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, a very, very well-known passage in the Bible. He was pierced for our transgressions, right? He was wounded for our iniquities. But guess what? In Isaiah 53, it also talks about how the Father, it was his will. It was Yahweh's will, For him to suffer these things. But it was also his will in Isaiah 53, I believe it's 10. For him to prolong his days into eternity. What is this talking about? It's talking about the resurrection. It is talking about what is going to happen with this Messiah. Who is going to come and pay punishment for our sin. That he will rise again and he will reign. So Isaiah 53 talks about this. The Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel talks about this. And let's look at the the covenant. It says, when your days are over, And you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. We know that this is true because of the lineage that we see in Luke, the lineage that we see in Matthew. We know that Jesus came from the seed of David. And I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He will reign forever. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Now, what is significant about this resurrection? Well, let me tell you, no other prophet, no other man has died and rose again. The Bible also tells us in 1 Peter In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into this living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he has given us new life. With his resurrection, he has given us a new life. He has given us a new hope that we will be resurrected, that we will spend eternity with Jesus, that he has paid the punishment for our sin, that all of our sin was hung on the cross, and by the power of his resurrection, we get heaven. And guess what? The Bible says that it's a free gift. Ephesians 2 talks about, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, for it is a free gift. It's nothing that we can do. We can't boast about it. It's everything that he has done. It is a free gift. He says, I'll take on your punishment, your sin. I will take on everything that you have done, and I will put it on my rap sheet, and I'm going to call you justified. Justified, never sinned. That's what you get to be called because Jesus took on what your punishment on the cross. And the resurrection brings hope to us because we have a new life in Jesus Christ where we get to spend eternity with him. And we get to have life to the fullest here. Revelation. Revelation 1, 5 through 6. This is another, another one. This is good. And From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the one who is raised from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood. Look at that. Throughout scripture, throughout the New Testament, it talks about how Jesus' blood is the propitiation for our sin. What's that big word? What's that $5 word? What does propitiation mean? substitution or the payment for our sin. His blood was the payment for our sin. It is what has freed us from our sin is that blood that he shed on that cross and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to join him, be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now in the NLT, it says by his resurrection, we get to join him. In his kingdom forever and ever. That's the good news. That is nothing that we can do to earn this eternal hope. It is all what he has done by the powers of his resurrection. And it says in Romans 10 9, anyone who confesses Jesus as Lord. Who believes that he died and he rose again? He will be saved. If we repent, we turn. We're going towards sin, and we repent and go the opposite direction. Believe on Jesus Christ that He paid the price for us. We are saved. And it's as simple as that. That is the good news. You got to hear from Joe. You guys are a bunch of sinners. I'm not, but you. Are. No, I'm just kidding. I am the filthiest. I'm like Paul. Like I feel, I am the worst. And I need it the most. But recognize, back to what our story, the the two men on the road to, to Emmaus, okay, on their way to Emmaus, they hear Jesus opens the scriptures. And let me tell you, I just gave you a little snippet of Isaiah 5, the second Samuel, there's Plenty more. There's Psalm 22. You can go to there's Psalm 16. There's Job. You can go and Ezekiel. I mean, it goes on. It all points to Jesus. But let me tell you this, okay? After he had done that, what did they say? They said, "Didn't our hearts burn within us when they when their eyes were open? Didn't our hearts burn within us when he was speaking the scriptures or open the scriptures to us?" Let me challenge you with this today, church. It is Resurrection Sunday, the most beautiful day in all of history that has given us hope. It should burn within us. And what did those disciples do? It was already late. They had invited Jesus in to have some food with them. They were gonna be rested up for the day. It was getting dark. Remember, this is a a full day's journey. What did they do? They had the good news, and they took off back to Jerusalem. They didn't wait until morning. They, They went back. Is this good news burning within us to the point where we want to take it to all of our neighbors? where we can't wait. And let me tell you, sometimes we become numb to it. That's the right word. We become, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead, man. Or is it, Jesus rose from the dead, bro. This is something that should burn within us, that we're Willing to take it and go to tell everyone. The excitement that they had, they had to tell the disciples. They had to tell people. This is the risen Savior. He did what he said he was going to do. This is him. This is the Messiah. We thought he was the one from Israel, was what they were saying before. Now they knew he was the one that was going to save Israel. And they couldn't hide it. Brothers and sisters, is this burning within us this morning? I pray that it is. I pray that we have a burning desire to tell that the Savior has risen. You have hope. You are, you are a sinner, but guess what? There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He has risen. Oh, what a beautiful day. All right. God bless. Yes.
1: Would you stand and worship with us again? One final breath He gave As heaven looked away The Son of God was laid in darkness A battle on the grave The war on death was waged The power of hell forever broken The ground began to shake the
3: stone was rolled.
1: We sing hallelujah we sing hallelujah we sing hallelujah the lamb has overcome we sing hallelujah we sing hallelujah we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah
3: the lamb has overcome we sing hallelujah Sing.
4: serve a risen Savior. (laughs) You may be seated. Happy Easter. Easter. Oh, you got to work on that. He is risen. Amen. Amen. He is risen indeed. We're going to change up our service just a little bit. Um, Actually, I'm going to start preaching here in about 20 seconds, 30 seconds. All right. Uh, And then Anthony will be preaching a little bit later. Uh, We have quite a bit of special music. And I would just encourage you, do not, do not leave until the end, okay? Because the beginning, I have the rough part. I have to tell you that you're all sinners, all right? I get to talk to you about how we're all sinners, but there's hope, amen? Amen. And we serve a risen Savior, so stick around to the end. So we want to honor your time, we want to keep our time. We're going to have a word of prayer And then I'm going to jump right into a very brief, brief message uh, from the Word this morning. And then hang on. Uh, It gets better from here. All right? Amen. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have truly risen. You have risen indeed. We thank you, Lord, for this day, this Lord's Day, that we celebrate, Lord, not just once a year, but every Sunday, We call it the Lord's Day because this is the day that you have risen and that you defeated death, you defeated hell, you defeated the grave, and you've given us victory, Lord, through yourself and through all that you have done for us. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you, Lord, do not lie, that you speak the truth and that your word is true, and that when you give your word, that you follow through with it. And when you give prophecies, you fulfill them. And how awesome that is. And we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. So we pray you bless our time together today. We pray that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified. And that each one here would be encouraged to know that truly, Lord, we serve a risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. so. I want to ask you this question, why Easter? You don't have to answer out loud, but why Easter? Why the resurrection? Even go a little bit farther, why did Jesus even need to come? And why do we need a Savior? We're going to look at the scriptures for a few moments this morning. And as I mentioned, um, stick around for the end because the good news is coming, all right? But here's, here's the bad news. The bad news is you're all a bunch of filthy, rotten sinners. It's the truth, right? You say, well, how do you know that to be true? How dare you? Don't judge me. How can you judge me? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And by the way, if you say you're not a sinner, all I have to do is talk to your spouse or your children or some of your friends or people that are close to you, and we can quickly confirm that you are truly a sinner. Amen? That's truth, right? I know... We're all sinners. And I don't mean to make light of that. But you see, the scripture tells us in the book of Romans, the Gospel of Romans, Romans, Paul says, he says that sin came into the world through, through one man. And then sin was passed down from that man to, to all mankind. In fact, we go back to the book of Genesis and God created uh, Adam and Eve and God created this, this perfect garden and they were in a perfect place and state of innocence. But we understand that Satan came into that garden, and and he slithered his way in, and he caused Eve, the Bible says, to be deceived. Now, I know all the men here are saying it's the woman's fault, uh, and, you know, we want to blame the woman. And that's exactly what Adam did. It's her fault. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible says, later New Testament says that Eve was deceived, but it says this, that Adam sinned. The idea was this, Eve was deceived and thought she was doing a good thing, the right thing, even though it was contrary to what the Bible says. But she was deceived. But Adam, he willfully sinned against God. He willfully ate of that fruit. And we know that at that moment, man fell. We call it the fall in the garden. That's when sin entered into this world. And because Adam sinned, the Bible says, we've all have been born sinners. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, I'll give you some scripture. I have to keep this very brief, so just hang with me. Let me give you a few scriptures. He says, for all have sinned, all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all, every single one of us. Isaiah says it like this. the, The prophet said this. He says that all of our righteousness... In the eyes of a holy God, he says, all of our righteousnesses or righteousness that we can do, he says, in the eyes of a holy God, he says, they're as filthy rags. The apostle Paul said this in First Timothy, as he's writing uh, this letter, Paul says this. He says, here is a trustworthy saying. He says, this is the truth. He says, that deserves full acceptance. Everyone needs to accept this truth. That Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. But notice what Paul says. He says, of whom I am the worst. You see, some would say, well, Paul was talking about his his past life when he was Saul and when he was a murderer and when he killed people and, and when he killed Christians. But I want you to notice The English here, if you will, and even in the original language, what Paul was saying is, he wasn't saying, I was once a sinner. He says, I, can you say it with me? I am a sinner. You see, he came to the reality, yes, that he had a past, but he also had a present. In that present, he was still a sinner. And Paul said that I am, he considered himself the worst of sinners. And this is why Jesus Christ came. Romans 6.23, the Bible says that there is a punishment, there's a payment, there's a penalty, there's a wage for sin. Paul says this, he says, for the wages of sin is death. As Adam and Eve were in the garden, when they ate of that fruit, they began to physically die, but they didn't, they didn't understand fully what was taking place. When they ate of it, maybe even they thought, well, we're still alive. There were some consequences. And yes, they saw change but they didn't realize that this death was not just going to be a physical death, but it was a spiritual death, separation from God. He says, for the wages of sin, there's a punishment, there's a penalty, there's a wage, there's a debt that needs to be paid for sin. He says, the wage of sin is death. He says, but, I love this, and we'll talk about this later, and Anthony will touch on this. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5, 8, Paul says this. He says, But God demonstrated his own love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. May I remind you of something? That he, even though we were sinners, Christ still came. And he still died for us. Understand this is that that reality is we cannot clean ourselves up or make ourselves holy enough to come into a presence of God. We cannot do that. This is why Christ came. He came because we are sinners and we're in need of a Savior. And he says, while you were sinners, he, he still came and died for us. You understand the reason he came is because we are sinners and we need a Savior. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 21, it says this, that God made him, speaking of Jesus Christ, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you understand what the scripture is saying is that literally Jesus Christ came and he took our place. He is our substitute. He paid our debt. And by the way, he is the only one worthy to be our substitute. He was the only one worthy to take our place because the Bible says he who knew no sin, he had to be the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Every Wrong word that we said, every evil deed, every thought, every lustful thought, every lie that we've told was placed upon Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin, he became sin for us. He took our place. In the last day of our Lord, as far as in his, as we see him in his physical body and alive, before he's resurrected, I want you to see in Mark 15 a beautiful, I believe, a beautiful picture, analogy that the Bible gives us. That even on this day, Jesus is going to take the place of another man. Look at the Bible says this and the man called Barabbas, he was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder. Most people believe he was the one who led the insurrection. He was a very, no, it says in other. Gospels it says a very notorious criminal. John called him a robber. Here the Bible says he committed murder in the uprising. We know he's a robber. He was considered a criminal. We know that he was a murderer. He's an insurrectionist. But notice what happens. It says the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he would usually do at the time of Passover. Pilate, to kind of appease the people, to try to keep peace, he would always set free a prisoner, someone that the people thought was, should be set free. Now notice what happens, though. He says, it says this, do you want me to release to you king of the Jews, asked Pilate. Pilate's thinking they would want to release Jesus because Pilate knew he was innocent and he was not an evil man and that he was a good man. But notice what happens. He says, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. And they cried out, notice this, crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime? In many versions say this, what evil has he committed? What evil has Jesus done? Why would you want to do this, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, because he did not want an insurrection, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. You see, I don't know the end of the story for Barabbas. I don't know what went through the mind and heart of Barabbas that day, but I know this, that somewhere along the line, Barabbas was lined up to be executed. And as he sees Jesus literally taking his place on the cross, he realizes that should have been me on that middle cross. It wasn't him. It was Jesus. Jesus took Barabbas' place. But can I remind us all of something? Jesus took my place. Jesus took your place. He took your place. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He became our perfect substitute. He paid our debt. I want to finish with just a picture that I'd like you to look at just for a moment. How many of you have ever seen the movie The Passion of Christ? Powerful movie. Powerful movie. Directed by Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson directed the movie, produced the movie, He does not have a a scene necessarily in the movie. He didn't act in the movie, but he is in the movie. I think it's pretty powerful, but in this scene here, Mel Gibson says that he wanted his own hand to be the one in the movie to nail Jesus to the cross. So when you watch the movie The Passion, when you look at this picture, understand this, although Mel Gibson was not seen in any scenes, Mel Gibson was in the movie, and Mel Gibson was the one who was the Roman soldier putting the nail in Jesus' hand. The reason why Mel Gibson wanted to take this part is because he said this when interviewed and asked, why would you do this? He was very adamant about this. In fact, he was falsely accused, saying that he was trying to blame the Jews. In fact, it was the opposite. Because he said, I don't want people to believe that it was the Jews that put Jesus on the cross or the Romans that put Jesus on the cross. He says, well, I, want, I want everyone to know that I put Jesus on the cross. That it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. Can I say to you, Mel Gibson is right. It was Mel Gibson's sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was my sin, Joe Klein's sin, that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was your sin that put Jesus on the cross. And every stripe, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. It was our iniquity that was placed upon Jesus Christ. Every lie you told was pounded, that nail, into the the hand of Christ every lustful thought and every evil deed and every sin that you and I have ever committed, ones known and those unknown and the things that we would never want anyone else to know about and the shame of all that was placed upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ took our place. And as Jesus hung on the cross, his last words, he cries out, it is Finished. It is finished. In the original language, it was to He cried out, to And everyone there, not fully understanding what he was saying, they thought, why is he saying this? Because the word it is finished is not what we think it means. The word it is finished, to is an accounting term that's used when someone owes a debt. And when that debt is fully paid for, the word tetelestai literally means to be paid in full. Church, can I say this to you? Jesus Christ paid the sin debt in full. And all God's people said, amen. 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 We're going to have the worship team come. And I want you to listen to the words of these next couple songs. This is not a time for us to kind of stand and worship. I want you to think and reflect upon the words that they're going to sing. And they're going to have a couple specials, and then Anthony's going to come up and bring the really good news. Amen? Yes, we're all sinners, but we need a Savior. And we're going to talk a little bit about our awesome Savior this morning. Amen? Amen.
1: Line number one you're supposed to have it all together when they ask how you're doing Just smile and tell them Never better Line number two Everybody's life is perfect Except yours So keep your messes and your wounds And your secrets safe with you Behind closed doors Truth be told the truth is rarely told no i say i'm fine yeah i'm fine oh i'm fine hey i'm fine but i'm not i'm broken and when it's out of control i say it's under control but it's not and you know it i don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know So let the truth be told
3: There's a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I doubt it Cause if we lived like that was true, every Sunday morning you would be crowded Didn't you say church should look more like a hospital, a safe place for the sick, the sinner, and the scarred, and the prodigal, just like me? Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Oh, am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. I say it's under control But it's not And you know it I don't don't know why it's so hard to admit it When being honest is the only way to fix it There's there's no failure, no fall, There's no no sin you don't already know. know So let the truth be told Can I really stand here unashamed?
1: Knowing that your love for me won't change Oh God let, Let-
3: There's no failure, no fall, there's There's no sin you don't already know. Yeah, I know. I know. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Where grace begins We were hungry, we were thirsty With nothing left to give Oh, the shape that we were in and Just when our hope seemed lost That come
5: was really rough calling you sinners, but I've got a little secret. He was really excited to be calling you guys Barabbases and sinners. You should have heard him this week. Like, <laughs> no. Um, but I do. I do get the good part. I do get the good part. So we'll be looking at Luke chapter 24 this morning. We'll look at the first few verses, and then we're going to get into an unpopular kind of resurrection story. We'll be getting into the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Like, what in the world does that have to do with the resurrection? Well, it has everything to do with the resurrection, so we'll get into it. Luke chapter 24, all right? So looking at the first seven verses, it says, it says On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb." They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in in cloths that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, "'Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen.' Remember how he had told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Amen? Amen. Amen. He is risen. risen. Let's try that again. He is risen. risen. He is risen indeed. And guess what? He is not dead any longer. He died and he paid the punishment for our sin. But what is he? He is alive. He is resurrected. He is living. He is reigning at the right hand of the Father, the Bible tells us. So let's keep on going with the story, all right? In chapter 24, verse 13. We see, it says, now the same day, the same day that Jesus rose from the dead, that very same day, he goes to them, these two on the road to Emmaus. Okay, it says, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This is about a day's journey, okay? Seven miles is about a day's journey. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. What had happened? Jesus was just crucified. Jesus had just died. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you guys discussing as you walk along? They stood there, their faces downcast. They were all glum. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you serious, dude? Like, do you not know what had just happened, bro? Like, are you, a, are you from Mars or something? Like, you, you're the only one who doesn't know what's happening. He said that these things, what had happened in these days, what things, he asked. Will you know about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet. Notice, they said he was a prophet, past tense. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him, they killed him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this has all take place. So he has been in the grave, he is starting to smell, he is dead, and we thought he was the one who was going to come and save us from Rome. We thought he was the one that was going to come and set the captives free, like the Old Testament told us. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Guys, wake up. That's what he's saying, like, how foolish are you? Like, I told you, I told you all of Jesus' life, especially the last few weeks of of his life, he was saying, I am going to die and raise again on the third day. You can destroy this temple, but it will be raised on the third day. I will be coming back on the third day. And you guys didn't believe me. And so he says, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophecy, explains to them what was said in all scripture concerning himself. Let me tell you this. I want to just point this real quick okay what is he talking about he started with Moses he opens the scriptures he starts with Moses and tells him everything that was concerning him let me tell you we think that the gospel is about us and it is I promise it is about us but most importantly it is about Jesus and it is about his glory it is all about Jesus and all of scripture is about Jesus from the very beginning, from what we see in the garden, the promise that God makes with Eve, there will be a seed from you that will crush the serpent's head, that will defeat death. Ever since the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of the earth were formed, there was a plan of salvation. There was a plan of redemption. That You see that in Ephesians. So everything has pointed back to Jesus. All of scripture, we see that in Isaiah 53, a very, uh, very, uh, everybody knows Isaiah 53, right? No, Isaiah 53, it is very famous passage that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes, we are healed. Now, does everybody know that? Has everybody heard that? Now, let me tell you, in Isaiah 53 as well, it talks about how the resurrection will happen. It's talked about in Job. It's talked about in Psalm, in Psalm 22. It's talked about in Psalm 16. It's it's talked about in Ezekiel. It has been prophesied that Jesus would raise from the dead. And so everything was pointing to the Messiah coming to deliver his people but to be raised from the dead. And we see in uh in 2nd Samuel, we see the D- the Davidic covenant. We see this in 2nd Samuel. But we'll 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 get to that in a little bit, okay? We'll get we're going to finish this. So in verse 28 it says, "As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were go- going further." But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went up to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while, we talked with the, uh, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he had broke bread. So now going back to 2 Samuel. Okay, 2 Samuel says, he is the one. Oh, just kidding, it doesn't say that says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. We know that he was the offspring of David by what the Gospels tell us. The lineage that was given in Matthew and in Luke. He came from the seed of David. He was fulfilling prophecy just by coming from the lineage of David. And he says, your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It is going to be forever, and he is alive and he is reigning. His kingdom does not die. Nothing can come against his kingdom. Like he talks about in Luke, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, against my kingdom, because he is alive, he is reigning, and he is within us. Wow, that's the that's gospel message. He is not dead. He did not just die for our sins. He rose up again. First Corinthians talks about how if he did not raise from the dead, then our faith is empty. We are fools because if he did not raise from the dead, then guess what? We're not even Christian. It is the very fundamental thing of our faith the resurrection is. There's Nobody who has no prophet who has ever died and rose again. Now, the man who does die and raise again, I believe he should be followed. Right? First Peter, first Peter chapter one, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This Jesus gives us living hope that we, when we die, we live. That we will be resurrected. There will be a resurrection for us, but there is a living hope in Jesus because of the resurrection that while we were still sinners, Christ died and gave himself for us so that we can live in eternity with him. What an amazing gospel that is. How powerful that is. That by his blood, he paid the price for our sins, but not just that, I'm gonna give you eternal life and I'm gonna give you a hope and I'm gonna give you a life to the fullest. In Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, 5 through 6, and it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Look at that. Jesus has freed us from our sins by his blood. There's this word called propitiation. A word called propitiation. What does that $5 word mean? substitution, it means a payment, right? It is a substitute, a payment who took our place. It is a payment, a down payment for us. He paid the price with his blood. There is life in the blood. And so by his blood, he pays for our sins. He paid the price by shedding His blood. And it says, And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now the NLT says, Now because of his resurrection, he has made a kingdom forever and ever. In us. We are his kingdom. And by his resurrection, guess what? We are a part of that that kingdom. By that resurrection... You have hope, you are alive, your sins are paid for, you have, you have Jesus living within you, you get eternal life. What greater news is there? That, oh man, I, I was just hearing, you know, like I, I'm a sinner, I'm this horrible person. You guys are, I'm not. No, no. I'm like, I'm like Paul, I am the worst of the worst, Okay but what great news, what great news. And, and we see these men who were traveling with Jesus. They said, didn't our hearts burn when he read the scripture to us and he told us about this scripture? Didn't our hearts burn? Let me challenge you with this today, church. When we think about the resurrection when we think about Easter has it just become something that is just normal has it become something that yeah Jesus you know he rose from the dead or does it burn within us is it burning within in every fiber of our being the excitement that I no longer have to pay for my sin, for the wages of sin is death, right? I no longer have to pay for my sin, but I get to spend eternity with him? Like, wow, is it burning within you? What did these guys do? They recognized Jesus. Now, remember, they invited Jesus in because it was getting late. It had been a day's journey, right? And so they said, hey, Jesus. Well, they didn't know it was Jesus, so they didn't say, hey, Jesus. They said, hey, why don't you stay here, right? So they come in, and then they recognize Jesus. Jesus vanishes, and what did they do? They took back off to Jerusalem in the dark, they had to tell somebody. They had to tell somebody what they just witnessed. They just witnessed the risen Savior, the one who was going to redeem Israel, the one who was going to redeem you and I. They had just witnessed it. And they had to go tell. They go back to Israel, or they go back to Jerusalem to tell the 11. Is that the message that we have? that is so exciting, that is burning within us that we've got to tell. That we've got to tell somebody about it because I can't hold it in any longer. And if it's not, we need to pray. We need to pray and ask God to reignite our hearts, to reignite that flame, that go back to your first love. Because that is the greatest news of all. That Jesus came, took on our sin, but is not, he's not dead. He's alive. He's resurrected and he is reigning. Not only that, he's living inside you. How cool is that? So while we celebrate Easter Sunday we are celebrating the real real reason for the season, (laughs) right? It's not just Christmas is the real reason for the season. It's Easter too, right? So I challenge you guys. I challenge you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe that he died and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a simple gospel. That is it. If you believe in your heart, you must repent. So you're going towards sin, and you turn away and go in the opposite direction. That's what repent means. But to be saved, you believe on Jesus. And if you do not know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to come up and pray with us after the the service. We still got a few more songs, okay? So unless you're really eager, like, like, come on, we can do this, okay? But also, if you already know Jesus, you've been walking with Jesus for years, do you still have that passion? Do you still have that desire to go tell it on the mountain? To go to your neighbor, meet those needs, there's power in that resurrection that gives life to you and I. He is alive and he is reigning and we celebrate that today. Amen? God bless you guys.
1: upon him One final breath he gave As heaven looked away The Son of God was laid in darkness a battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken, the ground began to shake, the stone was rolled.